0: Good day, everyone. You're listening to Time for Your Hobby, and this is episode 159. I'm just going to roll with it. I'm your host, Alex, and today I have the honor to have Crit as my guest on the show. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing outstanding, man. Thanks, Alex.
0: Well, you know what? Crit and I had a wonderful conversation before that, and I wish I had that recorded for this episode, but I'm sure he's going to share a lot more information. He's a really down to earth person and gets so much good energy, so this is going to be a great episode.
1: I'm excited, brother! I'm really excited. You're making
0: me excited. (laughs) (laughs) See, that's what I'm doing. I'm the hype man right now. But before we jump into the topic of cycling, I'm gonna ask the cliche question that nobody loves, but sometimes it's important to know: Who is Crit?
1: Well, Crit is a uh, a middle aged man. I will just playing. I'm 38 years old. I'll be 39 on Saturday, and I've been in the military for 18 years. I have a 20 year old daughter named Jada and a 14 year old son named Elijah. We also have a Chusky, which is half-child, half-husky, 10-year-old dog named Sox. Um, I've been stationed in Mississippi, uh, Maryland, and now in California. I've also been overseas to Spain, Road to Spain, Afghanistan, Fallujah, Iraq, Guam, Marshall Islands, Corpus Christi, Texas. Uh, I've been to a slew of places overseas. Uh originated from Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, my mother Uh, Rhonda Newton and my father, uh, Garner Whitmire Jr. Uh, But my mom remarried to uh, Mr. and Pastor Keith Newton out of uh, Kansas City, Missouri. And so, of course, my family is a first family there. And uh, me and my wife, we both were ministers for about 14 years. You know, we just kind of pressed on with our life. And uh, we're now here in Chula Vista, California, being here for about three years. And uh, that's where cycling really has gone to the next level. For me, I got into cycling when I was stationed in Maryland. But um, as I mentioned prior, coming out to California, and uh, being really invested into the community has done a lot of leaps and bounds for me uh, when it comes to that hobby of
0: mine. Now, without actually going too deep into that, is your family also into cycling? No.
1: Well, my, well I, try, I, I tried to get my son into it. And, you know, he's 14, so he's very competitive. He likes to compete in everything. And I'm still, you know, I'm still young at heart. So I try not to let him get the best of me. Um, he's really big into video games, but I'm not a big video gamer. And that's a whole nother probably podcast. <laughs> but it's just the fact that he likes he likes gaming. So he tried to get I tried to get him inside. I'm actually looking at his bike right now. And the thing that happened with that was that because of the covid, Uh, It kind of shut everything down. So he lost his he lost his mojo for really wanting to ride and compete because I think competing was his driving factor for him wanting to get on the bike um, because he's been to a lot of my races and um, he was really kind of digging that. And when COVID happened, he just kind of lost lost interest because he didn't he didn't see he didn't he doesn't love cycling like I love it. So he doesn't have that tolerance for going out on a three-hour bike ride and just enjoying being outside on a bike, coffee shops, et cetera. That just wasn't his thing. He kind of wanted to go out, put some hammer on, you know, put some power in the pedals and then come back home and then be like, okay, let's race, you know? So, uh, but my wife, she tried it, you know, we got, she wanted a stationary bike. I'm not a big fan of stationary bikes, but she did get a stationary bike. As anything stationary in a house, it typically begins to collect things. So, I think hers is collecting dust right now. And then my daughter, you know, she's 20. So she's kind of grown and she's not really into physical activity of that
0: caliber. Now, this might sound like a stupid <laughs> solution, but, you know, trying to find the combination of both worlds for your son, for example. If you got a stationary uh-huh. bike and you got a VR headset and there's like a virtual reality like uh, uh, adventure while yeah, being on the bike. Yeah. So kind of like complements yeah. both worlds. And then you can do like a co-op yeah. thing with your son. Therefore. <laughs> yeah.
1: So the cool thing with that is I don't know if you know anything about Zwift. Uh, But Zwift is a like a virtual reality, virtual augmented world for for cycling and running athletes. Pretty much what it is is you have uh, you put your bike into this thing called a smart trainer, or you can just have a regular resistance trainer. And if you have certain attachments and certain setups, you can actually generate power on your bike, which is then related to the app or you know to the software on the computer. And what happens is, is your avatar literally moves. So, you know, you, you'll be on a bike and however hard you're pressing and whatever gears you're in, the avatar will will go accordingly. And so there's different, different setups that you can utilize that will cause your, you know, if you buy a certain piece, the front of your bike will go up if you're on a hill. And then it'll go back down if you're on flat. And so there, there is something similar to that. It's not necessarily like over his eyes VR. But there is something that he's seen, and they see me do it. I have it here at home, and that's what I use a lot of. Again, because of COVID, um, I do ride outside, but not as much as I used to. Um, so I do a lot of riding on Swift. Um, but yeah, we have something like that. I think it would be cool for him. I just don't think it would be real enough for him. I think he has to like he loves video games, but in that magnitude, I don't feel like he. I think he may do one, but I don't think I don't foresee him really finding a joy enjoyment out of it. Because it's not really engaging with other people. And a lot of people don't like it because of that. Like, you know, they we all miss the camaraderie aspect of cycling. And when you go to the races, that environment is not there on Zwift. You know, like when you go to the races, you have all the people and you're walking around and you're talking to the people and you got the food truck and you got that's gone with Zwift. So I, I haven't tried it yet, but I just don't see him really being like, dad, let's do Zwift. You know, let me jump on Zw-. I don't see that because I've had it for like four months now and he hasn't said anything about it.
0: It's, <laughs> it's not his cup of tea, but you know what? Hopefully no. by the time this episode comes out, you're back on the road, like at full force absolutely, but, and everything's yes, back sir. to normal.
1: Oh my God. I hope so.
0: Now, before we jump <laughs> into the topic of cycling even more, I'm sure the listeners would love to know where they can find you online, whether it's social media or a website or even a project you're working on, it can be related to cycling and it can be related to absolutely anything at all.
1: Oh wow! So all right, so get your pens and paper out. It's <laughs> gonna be about another ten minutes. No, I'm joking. So one, you can find me on Facebook at uh, Garnet Whitmire the Third. That is typically my just kind of my family-oriented page, just me with family. Anything we do with there, uh, which also correlates to my Instagram, which is uh, G Wittmeyer Three. And again, that's G W H I T M I R E, and then the number three on Instagram. Um, As I was saying before, on Facebook it is Garnett Whitmire the third, so that's G A R N E T T W H I T M I R E, and of course the Roman numeral three. And then, and so those those two pages are family focused. I don't really spend a lot of time on those um, because I don't, you know, because of COVID, not not much going on. But I do spend a lot on my CritWit cycling stuff. So, uh, again, back on Facebook, I have a page called CritWit Cycling, and that's C-R-I-T-W-H-I-T, and then the word cycling. And you can find all, of, and it's just strictly focused on cycling. Like, it's not family, it's not anybody, it's cycling stuff. So, um, if you're into cycling, please check that out. And that correlates to my Instagram page called CritWit, that's C-R-I-T dot, W H I T and that I mean that page is again. I'm a snob when it comes to those two things. <laughs> that's cycling focused, cycling based. If you're not a cyclist, please bear with me, because you probably you may not get a follow back, but it's just because that page is like solely for cycling. Um, and it's just you know it's just that's just how it is. I also started um a a a couple of cycling clubs, uh, just kind of virtually. I guess you could say it's called G um, and it's called good and it stands for good stewards of cycling. And, um, so <clears throat> on Facebook, the page is called GSOC uh, colon good stewards of cycling on Strava, same thing. GSOC colon good stewards of cycling recently. I started also due to, um, on May 25th, roughly there so- shortly thereafter, I started, uh twenty five miles for justice, which was pretty much me being compelled after seeing the death of mr and late late mr george floyd uh, I was compelled to do something, so I jumped on bonfire uh which is a t shirt campaign type of website uh that makes t shirts and I started a campaign called twenty five miles for justice where twenty where All the proceeds from that went to NAACP Legal Defense and Education Fund, which helped to promote and promises justice for all Americans. And so, all the proceeds, of course, went to getting the T-shirts as well as going to that. We raised well over uh, $4,000 donated to the NAACP uh, LDF. I recently started a Instagram page called Twenty Five Miles for Justice, which is again, and that's strictly just kind of pushing. 25 miles for justice re, reposting people that are supporting and the 25 miles for justice had a, a lot of love a lot of support and so just really push that so they can find me there they can find me and then my in my baby of all babies is youtube um and they can find me at Critwit cycling vlog and that's c-r-i-t-w-h-i-t cycling and then v-l-o-g um cycling vault you can find me there i have well over 360 i want to say 65 videos uh the web that that site has been going strong for about two years now and i just love sharing the journey of cycling i'm looking to impact communities reshape lives through cycling i just want to share the experience with people that have never never considered cycling because i never considered it until i was 30 years old um now being 38 here soon so nine years of really enjoying and appreciating cycling. So that's where you can find me at. I know it was a lot. Uh, please pause it. Go
0: back <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and check me out, please. Well, you know what? I'll make things even easier. I'll put all those links down below in the description as well so people can just awesome. go check that out. And also, man, that's fantastic. I love your ambition. I love the passion you're putting to this, not just for cycling, but everything you're doing around cycling and just how you're helping out the community, helping out other people as well. Good for you,
1: man. Yes, sir. Thank you so much.
0: And now you know how much you help other people. Now I'm going to try to help you help me help the podcast by telling more (laughs) about cycling and how that helps you. That's a weird way of how I said it. So how did you, you were talking about a a little bit at the beginning of how you actually got introduced to it, but mine going into a little more details of how you got introduced to cycling. I know everybody's like, oh yeah, when you're a kid, you know, learn how to ride a bike, you know, like you know, all that stuff. But I'm sure you fell in love with it at a certain point later on.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. No, that's that's this is probably the best question I'm saying. This is a really good question. I love the story, I love my story. It just, I mean, and of course, I'm gonna say just being honest because that's what I'm gonna be regardless. But growing up, played football and uh, went to college, played football on on a partial scholarship, messed around in college, ended up leaving college on academic suspension. Two years was up, it was time for me to do something, either go back to college or do something different. I chose to come in the military. So I enlisted in the military in March of 2002. Shortly thereafter, I gave my life to the Lord and my life really con- consisted of work, military work, church, and spending time with family. And there's nothing wrong with that. But at the same time, I was still young and, and I really, really wanted a hobby. Like I wanted something else to do from just going to work all day, then being at church, on the days we had church and then just being at home all day. And it really, I really, I str- I struggled because like I want a hobby. So I thought about getting a motorcycle just so I can go ride. it. And I was in Mississippi at this time. So I was like, I can just ride my bike along the coast and, you know, enjoy the, you know, enjoy those moments. And so that didn't work out. And then I looked into getting an ATV, which is a four-wheeler for some, And I was like, how real? And I and I start going into this deep thought process of like, how realistic am I going to use said items? So it's like if I get an ATV, uh, I'm in Mississippi. I don't foresee me being a black man in nobody's woods in Mississippi. So I just didn't feel comfortable with getting an ATV at the same time, knowing that I'm in the military and I don't know where I'm going to get stationed. And if, you know, it's going to be really plausible for me to have this atv trailing it everywhere i go so it's like that's not going to work I try to get into kiteboarding that i mean people talk about cycling being expensive to get into yes cycling is expensive but i really don't believe there's a such thing as a cheap hobby but to get even get into kiteboarding it was like twenty five hundred dollars out the gate i mean just the cheapest of rig so and then of course like how, how wherever i go am i going to always be close to the beach close to the water you know yes i'm in the navy but i'm not a navy rate. My job is not on the ship. I do I do construction, so that doesn't always mean I would be close to water everywhere I go. So I didn't want to invest in that, and so I just was really like, man, I gotta find a hobby. So thereafter, I got a, I got a, I uh I got redeployed or deployed from Mississippi to Fallujah, Iraq, and uh, I was on a what we called a convoy security element, which means we pretty much was security for eighteen wheelers as they drove from one base to the other base. And at this time, there was you know. Saddam Hussein was, was was in rain and all the, you know, all this stuff was going on over there in Iraq and you know, uh suicide bombs was happening and road bombs was happening. So we was on the road a lot, but in, in one of my off days, I didn't, you know, I, I went to a place called MWR, which is uh morale warfare and uh and recreation. And in there we have like a whole bunch of computers and, and TVs and and video games and magazines and that's where we would call our loved ones and you know, we would spend time just relaxing. And I was sitting on the couch one day watching guys play video games. Cause again, as I said earlier, I'm not big into video games. And so I was sitting there on the couch and I picked up this magazine and it was called bicycling magazine. I'm like, okay, what is this? So I opened up the magazine, man, and I see all these bikes. I'm like, Ooh, okay. And just to give a little bit of background on why the bikes intrigued me is that growing up ever since I was 11 years old, I wanted to be an architect. So I love Sleek, clean lines how and how you could take clean lines into making it into something very very elegant, and so cycling the bike frames just was really daunting to me, like it was beautiful, like I was in awe, and so I'm looking through this magazine, I'm like, oh yeah, oh yeah, this may be it, this may be it <laughs> and i'm on and I'm on deployment, mind you, so I'm like, I'm not riding no bike no time soon. I still have to go like maybe two and a half months left of deployment, and so I'm looking through these magazines, and I'm like, man, these bikes look nice, okay. And I had one issue though, and the issue was the seat. We call it a saddle. I'm like, hold on, I can't sit on that. You know that that saddle thing going in between my legs. That I'm a man. I got male parts down there, and that saddle doesn't look <laughs> like it's comfortable for me to sit on. Like I can't. So I kind of I kind of wrote cycling off. So then we get back home. Um, I finished my my seventh month deployment in Fallujah, Iraq. Get back home in Mississippi. And then shortly thereafter, me and the family, we were on our way to Maryland. Got to Maryland, Alex, and to make a long story shorter, um, got, to, got to Maryland, man, and I started seeing people riding up and down the highways on the shoulders, had extra wide shoulders, man. Started seeing people riding in the neighborhoods, and in the, in the, in the, in the urban areas, the rural areas. And I was like, I told my wife, I said, babe, I'm going to give this bike, this cycling thing a go. And she was like, Okay. So I got me a bike from uh, bikesdirect.com and I literally just told a person about that to that website today. And I got my first bike and Alex, man, <laughs> I was <laughs> I was out there riding one day, man, and it's kinda like how we did our pre the pretest of the sound and was you know, on the bike, every usually when you're riding your bike, there's either always a headwind, a tailwind, there's always wind blowing. And then I was on the side of the highway, and typically on the side of the highway, what's on the highway? Cars. So there's cars and trucks always passing. But this particular moment, man, ah, I'm gonna say like this to you, (laughs) and you'll understand it even more when it happens. That moment of hearing the chain cycle through the rear cassette into the front crank of just me pedaling, that click, 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 that sound, and I'm and I hope I strike a chord with this because this is just how good it sounds to me. That sound of the chain. That feeling that I got from that was like, when you hear your child's first cry, it's going to be like, it was, it was like, oh, it was like, yes. I feel like i get getting chills now. It was that moment that I knew this is it.
0: It, it kind of like it hit you. It's like, all right, this is it.
1: That moment, man, I was like, this is it. And I was sold from that point on. And then what sucked, of course, and again, to make a long story short, what sucked, of course, was this was like October in Maryland. So next you know, you got winter and didn't get the ride for a few months, <laughs> but mm-hmm. it was just like, I fell in love with it. So I didn't get the ride again until like March of 2010. And then I, and it was just, it was just beautiful, man. I, I mean, I would do, I would drive three hours to do a bike ride, like drive three hours and go do like a Grand Fondo or a 60 mile bike ride by myself. I just loved it so much, man. I just fell in love with it. And so that's how I got into cycling, man. That like, It's cycling is, and again, I don't know what other questions are coming, (laughs) but I don't want to say it all right now because cycling at that moment was when I fell in love with cycling. It wasn't the neighborhood riding, but yet when I ride it, it does, I do have those moments when I'm going down a hill and you're supposed to have, you know, all points of contact on the bike when I literally want to let go of the handlebars and spread my arms out to my side and just let the wind just push me like i'm flying it's it's moments the, those moments of nostalgia you know where it's just it just feels so pleasant for with the wind just hitting you and the freedom and the peace and the serenity and and the, that's really why you know i name my bikes so the first bike i got is called mistress because again i was always gone. mistress um, <laughs> and then the second bike that i have is called serenity and so it, it just the feeling that i get from when i ride that my bike i just felt at peace I just it just felt so good and so I just recently got a bike and again all that's on my YouTube channel and this bike is a first for a lot of things for me when it comes to cycling and this bike is called the newest bike is called Joy because it just it just makes me happy so uh, but yeah that's how I got into cycling man
0: <laughs> man that's an awesome story and I remember you were telling me that uh, during winter time you didn't do it as much so I'm from Ottawa Ontario Canada And sometimes we get snow in like one snowfall that goes above your knee sometimes. (laughs) And I see people out on the roads with these bikes with massive wheels. So on that note, would you ever be interested in doing that so you can do cycling all year round? Uh,
1: No. (laughs) The the funny thing is, the funny thing is, I actually just had a conversation with this uh, to my buddy who I rode with a couple of days ago. I I will try it. But as I mentioned earlier about Zwift, that's the beauty of Zwift for me is that and being in California, of course, most people are like. Why do you have Zwift? You live in California, like you don't need to ride indoors. You can ride outside. You're absolutely right. But what I always feared—not feared, but I always was wary about—like, hmm, I'm curious, is if I got Zwift, how much more I would ride because I have Zwift. My fitness has like gone through the roofs. Like, I use different different programs that, tra- you know, it's kind of like Facebook for riders. It's called Strava. So it's like a Facebook for cyclists and runners. And like, it shows my fitness profile. And it you can pinpoint the day, or I can even say the week. You can pinpoint the week when I started riding on Zwift, which is, I say Zwift, I means indoor riding. You can pinpoint the day that that whole program was set up and, and, and your boy, CritWit, started riding indoors. You can see how how everything was kind of at a decent ebb and flow, ebb and flow, ebb and flow. And then everything just starts shooting up. And it's because I was riding indoors. So I said no to your question, because I would probably prefer just to ride on my bike on Zwift indoors with the snow outside. But, you know, I would try anything at least one time. Um, And so as I was telling my friend, I really don't have a desire to get a gravel bike, to get a mountain bike, to get any other bike except for a road bike, because the love and the attraction I have so much to road bikes, like I don't think any other bike looks as good as road bikes do. Now there's different platforms of road bikes, but I still, I just have this love for road bikes. Like I don't want to be in the woods. I want to be on the road, you know, and it's not necessarily about going fast, but that's a beautiful pleasure as well. It's just, I don't know. Like I would do it just to say I've experienced it, but it's not, it wouldn't be something that I find myself investing into. I'd like, I just go buy another road bike.
0: I could just imagine you opening up the door. It's a blizzard. You're like, I'm doing this. Open the door. <laughs> nope. Uh uh-uh, 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 no, no, no no, I'd be I would be in the same boat as you or on the Absolutely. same bike.
1: <laughs> I would turn right around and go right to Zwift, push start on Zwift and be like, Let's go. Go do hundred miles on Zwift. That's fine with me.
0: Now you mentioned you prefer road bikes. So when it comes to let's say selecting a road bike, what are some key features you like? Let's say the material or some cool unique features to the specific bikes.
1: So with cycle, so with road bikes, there's three different there's three different three major different categories you have arrow which is more the, the frames are going to be more drawed out like uh best way for me to explain that verbally so people can see it visually is that the frame most of the time different parts of the frame from the head tube top tube down tube seat tube blah 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 most of those parts and pieces are going to be aerodynamic like the wings of an airplane does that make sense yeah yeah so That's where you get the aerodynamic from. So that bike is called aero. Those bikes are called aero bikes. Um, then you have what's called endurance bikes where the geometry of the bike is a little bit more relaxed because you're going to be riding for longer times, longer distances on the bike. That's why it's called an endurance bike. And then what you have is you're either your all arounder or, or all arounder or, um, a climbing descending bike. And that's usually the in between the two bikes. The climbing all arounder bike is in between the aero bike and the endurance bike, and the geometry on that is almost favoring that of a aero bike, but the tubing is different. Um, so my favorite overall is probably going to be um, now that I have Joy. Uh, Joy is my is going to be my all arounder bike. To answer your question on the different material. And this is why I said that Joy and Joy is a is a chapter two tirade, which I'm also I'm a brand ambassador for chapter two out of New Zealand. So I have a Dawes Lightning, which is mistress. That's the first bike, which is all aluminum, which is aluminum with carbon fiber fork. I have Serenity, which is a a specialized lace sprint, which is a new technology. It's called smart weld technology where they welded it in some in a different manner. But it also has a carbon fiber fork and seat post. And then the newest bike to the, st- to the stable is, is a Chapter 2 Tire, um, which I call Joy. And so the Chapter 2 Tire is a full carbon fiber bike. Well, as I just explained, Mistress and Serenity are aluminum and carbon fiber. So Joy, as I was mentioning before, is going to be a brand new experience for me because it is a full carbon bike. And I've actually never written a full carbon fight bike for more than five minutes. And you may be like, dude, you're really invested in cycling. How have you only ridden a carbon fiber bike for five minutes? That's just my luck. Um, <laughs> uh, that That's what it is. So I'm really excited to get joy built up. Um, and I'm in the process of that now getting her built up so that I can get her on the road. Hopefully before uh, the time this, this podcast goes live, hopefully I will have been riding her and been in love even the more and that I would be able to say, uh, with a, a surety that that is my favorite bike. Um, and the reason why I'll probably say that that is my favorite bike, because I'm not the, the, I don't ride mistress that much anymore. Cause she's kind of parted out and I mean, I could put stuff on her. I kind of gave some stuff to my son, you know, off my bike on the so he can get it up and riding. But I ride Serenity more that, which is my aero bike, the, the aluminum aero bike. And that's more like my crit racing bike. That's the aero bikes are more your racing bikes because of the aerodynamics The long, you know, the the different drags on the bike cause it to be more aerodynamic, thus being faster, Um, sometimes even being stiffer, which means it responds better to you when you put power to the pedals. Um, But I think I'm going to like my, I'm like Joy a lot better. And the reason being is because when I go out and ride, I'm out there for a long time anyway. I don't want an endurance bike because I'm not big into I may do. I think the longest ride I've ever done ever was probably a hundred. I want to say like a hundred and seven miles. That was the longest ride I've ever done to date. And I, I know to myself, I love cycling. I really do. But I'm not an endurance rider. I will do a hundred miles every day. I'll try to do a hundred miles every day until I can't do it anymore. But I can't do like a hundred and sixty miles and two hundred miles, or I can't do it all in one day. It's just not. It's that's just not fun to me. Um, it's, it's, At some point, it becomes it, it's like, oh, okay, all right, enough is enough already. So, for me, most of my rides, though, because my fitness is improving, I do find myself riding for like you know, fifty miles, sixty miles. Sometimes I go out and do a, you know, I go out and plan on doing a loop that's like seventy miles, but it's like I'm only thirty miles away from a hundred. So then I go do a hundred miles. Well, I'm doing all of that on Serenity, which is the Aero bike. But I know that I I feel like the experience will be a lot better if I was on a lighter bike and a bike more suited for climbing, for descending and just for more all around type of riding. So when Joy gets built up, that's going to be my everyday bike. That's going to be the bike I ride most of the time. And then when I'm doing like any of the hard rides, you know, like if we're really going to be kind of like race training, uh, we have a few rides around here that's kind of considered that. I will pull out Serenity for those rides specifically and then put her back away. It's like you get you pull out your like you pull out your Corvette only to drive on the racetrack and then you put the Corvette back and you pull out the Audi that you're going to drive around the neighborhood or your or your BMW or your Mercedes. That's how it's going to be for me. I don't need a whole bunch of bikes. I just, I mean I do love bikes. I do love the way that they look, but right now I I think I'm a, I'm, I'm trying to stay mindful of the bikes that I have and why I have them. Like, I don't have a big place just to have a billion and one bikes all over the place. So all my bikes have purpose. At least the two bikes that I, I legitimately ride, they have purpose. Um I, And I don't want a museum just yet. So to answer your question, with all that being said, I'm thinking it's going to be, right now, Serenity's doing me very, very well. But I think once joy is built up, it's going to be joy. And reason being is because it's going to be all carbon fiber. It's going to be electric. It's going to be disc brakes. And it's going to be a brand new experience for me, man. It's going to be a whole new world.
0: Now, you mentioned something really interesting. You're saying Joy is being built up. Are you designing Joy or is it like just a pre-made like design and you're just like, oh, I want that. Or you're like actually figuring out like what you want for the bike.
1: So as as I was talking to you earlier about how the beauty of cycling is. So if you're listening to this podcast, man, you got to look at cycling. Oh, my (laughs) God. The beauty, with, so what I mean by saying built up is usually with bike, I mean, you could do a full custom build, which means that you have piping or stuff laying around and you know a guy who's a custom bike builder. You can do that. That's one aspect of building up your bike. But in the aspect that I mean is that when you buy a bike, you can buy a bike fully outfitted, meaning it's got the handlebars, it's got the stem, it's got the saddle, it's got the wheels. It's got the crank set. It's got the cassette. It's got everything on it. So when you buy it, you can ride it out the door You or you can just buy a bike frame and then you can put all the parts and pieces on it that you want. You can fully customize your bike how you want it. That's the beauty of cycling because you can have a bike. Yes, the frame may look like somebody else's, but everything else on that bike makes it yours. And so that's where I'm at right now. So um when i when I bought when I bought mistress mistress came in a box and I pretty much built her from watching YouTube videos. I built it up, took it to a bicycle shop they checked it, everything was good to go and I was living in Waldorf, Maryland at that time. when I got serenity serenity I bought her from a lBS which stands for local bike shop bicycle shop and she was already and she was already outfitted, so she had everything on her that she had on her now, what I did do again, I started to change out parts and pieces like I wasn't happy with the brakes that it had on her, so I changed the brakes out to a more reputable and uh a reputable brake system. Um I didn't like the handle but the cockpit which is called the cockpit is the handlebar and the stem. I didn't like the cockpit that was on the bike so I changed that out to the to the brand that I like. You know, I didn't like the saddle that was on it so I changed that out. So you can change things out to customize your bike specifically to you. I mean, everything except for the frame. Now, when you want to customize your bike down to the frame, what people most what most people do is they repaint it. You know, it's like a car. It's like you have the body of the car. That's what makes the Bentley the Bentley. It's the body of the car. You can, you know, you can put a Chevy engine in the Bentley, and I guarantee people say, "Hey, that's a Bentley," but why does it drive like a Chevy? Because <laughs> it's a Chevy block in there, but it's a Bentley car. You know what I mean? And that's the same way with bicycles. That the the bike, the frame is what makes it what it is. But the beauty of it is, is that you and fifty thousand other people can have the same bike frame, but each of you do something different to it whether it's the different handlebar, different stem, different saddle, different wheels, different tires, different brakes, different pedals, different crank, different cassette, different electronics. That's the beauty of cycling. And there's nothing else on the world like it, nothing.
0: And you also bring up another important thing that's pretty relevant. Uh, Where do you actually see the future? Of, let's say the build of bicycles going oh, and also man. not just seeing the future. Like what would you like if you had the choice to like put your input to improve the experience? Oh. What would you choose?
1: Oh. Oh my God. <laughs> I love you. You're like perfect. Hey, y'all haven't subscribed <laughs> to this channel and you're listening subscribe right now. Follow this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right so with with g you heard me mention g earlier, mm-hmm. so g is a rebranding of crit with cycling um I'm a brand ambassador for a lot of different companies, and I really want to get more in tune and more involved with those those brands. I want to get more in tune and more involved with cycling. I would love to be able to retire out the military and be able to just go full fledged and be a cycling ambassador. That's how much I love it, but to answer your question specifically is I would love to see cycling, and I hope to see, and I pray that I can be a part of cycling becoming something that kids as young as, I'm going to say as young as middle school, uh, because I think they have a decent level head about themselves, maybe even younger, but I'm going to say middle school to be safe. I would love to see cycling offered as an athletic sport in middle schools. Bicycle racing, criterium racing, road racing offered in middle schools. If you can offer golf, you can offer cycling. If you can offer uh tennis, you can offer cycling and I do think, and I was just talking to somebody today about this, yes, I do think and I do believe that cycling initially is expensive, but I do think over time it pays for itself, but at the same time, I do feel like we don't you don't have to buy the most expensive bike to give the person the experience and I think if we get kids on bikes earlier. And I think if we start to embrace cycling like other countries embrace cycling, that cycling could be the next baseball, could be the next basketball, could be the next football in America. And so that's where my heart really is. And that I want cycling to be reverenced and respected like it is. There are some amazing people on, psych- on bikes. There are lawyers. There's doctors. There's philanthropists. There's, there's artists. There's musicians. There's, I mean, you name it, they're on, they're on ex-football players. And the beautiful thing about cycling is it is very, very, very low impact on your body. It's very low impact on your joints. But the thing is, is because it's not, uh, we're not exposed to it. We being minorities are not exposed to it until later on in life. We don't get the benefit of enjoying, of enjoying what we could have benefited from at an earlier age. So that's why I presented it to my son at 13 you know, to kind of give him like, hey, this doesn't just have to be something that you ride, you know, and jump off curbs. This could be something that you can literally maybe able, maybe one day be able to provide for your family, you know, because I, always, I do believe that basketball, football, and I use these three because everybody knows about basketball, football, and baseball. At some point of their history line, they went from being no money to being money. At some point, Baseball went from, I mean, taking a stick and hitting a rock to being what it is now. At some point, basketball went from shooting the foil a foil ball into the trash can to being what it is now. At some point, the same with back, you know, with uh, with with football. And I just believe that at some point, I hope and I pray that cycling can go from being what it has been, and I think we're on our way. But I I want to be a part of that movement to where cycling, where kids can say, I want to be the next. I want to be the next crit racer. I want to be the next road racer. I want to be the next this, that, and the third in cycling to bring to, so that, you know, And and cycling is actually, the funny thing is that cycling is available for sponsors and for people. But see, the thing is, is they're looking for a return of investment very, very fast. And if we can't, and I watched a video of a, of a African-American man in Erethia, I believe that's how you say Erethia, Africa. And he said, they ride and they race for the community, not for themselves. And I think that's something that we in America have to learn is that we have to stop doing things for ourselves, but do it for the community. And so every Sunday, the community will come together and put these races on for the community. And so because of that, you have kids that want to do and be something great in cycling. And I think that is something that we need to foster here in America. And as I said before, I'll say again, I want to be a part of that, of fostering Uh, that cycling can be for the community, which can be for the town, which can be for the city. The state in America.
0: And also the That's environment normal. as well. You're just, you know, you're saving on oh. gas. You're saving on you Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> and everybody's spit Everybody's fitter. So the doctors may not like you too much, but just crash one time. They'll be happy. You know, you know
0: what? <laughs> Honestly, I feel like cycling, like just learning how to ride a bike is just as important as walking in a sense. like If, if you think about it, it's kind of like a rite of passage. Like the, one, the moment you learn how to ride a bike, it's like you reach a new level in life. It's kind of like, true. And I, on, I have a really stupid story about that. My dad was teaching me because had like a bonding experience with my father, just teaching me how to ride a bike, and when I finally got it, he was so happy. he gave me two thumbs up. Guess what happened? I I didn't understand what was going on. So I'm like, okay, I let go of the handles Uh, and I give him two thumbs up and you know exactly what happened. The wheel just turned and I went flying. (laughs) Oh my God. Like I was so like into the moment, like, oh my goodness, just give me two thumbs up. I did it. Cool. I'll just do the same thing.
1: That's that and that's and you paint a very beautiful picture of something that I like to share. It's actually like like you said, a rite of passage is also about Maturity, it's like riding a bike is like for me, it's always been the analogy of growing, of growth, growing up where, and I, and I always use it spiritually. Like I said before, I was a minister. So how I would explain it was like when people wonder about God or their God or is God with me? I said, look at when you're, when you're teaching your child how to ride a bike, initially you're always right there with them. You're holding the handlebars and you're, and you're, and you're, and you're escorting them along the way. But as, as the more you do it, the more they do it next, you know, now you're not holding the handlebars anymore. You're just holding the back of the saddle and you're, but they're still right there next to them and you're helping them as you progress in life. You know, your, your, God or God is not right. May not be right there next to you, but he may be holding the back of your seat. But as you progress in life now, he's not just, he's not holding the back of the seat, but he's standing at the end of the street saying, you got it, you got it, you got it. And the next thing you know, it, he's inside the house, like they're outside riding. And so it's also with the rite of passage also shows the progress of maturity and the process of growth with riding a bike. And there's nothing else like it.
0: And you know what? At the same time, you kind of like conquer this fear of like falling because you're going to fall no matter what. Like you fall a lot when you're learning how to ride a bike. And it's just like one of those stages in life where you're like, all right, I just got to get back on the bike and keep going.
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's life, bro. You make it will ever need more. Like. What else teaches you when you fall, get back up and try again? Yeah,
0: bike is like the first lesson in life to do that. Like when you're yeah. walking, you're like, ah, yeah, you don't tumble. Like yeah, fall, yeah, yeah. when you fall exactly. off a bike, it like, can be more serious. But like you do a little scratch and stuff like that. You're like, all right, you know what? I'm not giving up. I'm going to get back exactly. on the
1: bike. Exactly. Because in life, because in, in, in the process of life, we're used to falling from standing. Because we do it as a baby. You stand, they fall. You stand, they fall. We stand up sometimes. You stub your toe, you fall. We're used to that. But until you get on a bike, it's like something on two wheels because everything else probably has three or more. You know what I mean? Three or more wheels until you get on a bicycle. It's only two wheels. So if you lean too far to the left or too far to the right, you're going down. But the beauty of it is is you learn. You will fall sometime, but get back up.
0: This is a perfect segue to my following question. Have you ever injured yourself while cycling? And what, let's say, what are some common injuries? Let's say not just like Uh. exterior, like, let's say muscle pulled or stuff like that. Or sun in your eyes and you went blind. I'm kidding. I I don't know like how extreme you're looking at the sun while you're cycling. But I mean, has anything injury happen occurred to you, whether it's severe or common?
1: For me, yes, I've crashed and you say right of passage. So I will say as a bicycle racer. I think crashing is a rite of passage. And we always say this with cycling is that there's only two types of cyclists, ones that have fallen and ones that have not. So yes, I've crashed. The most common, the most two commons, of course, one is going to be road rash. That's probably the most common. The second is fractured or broken collarbones. Um, because again, usually you're falling into one side. and be, And again, because a lot of cyclists have very fragile bones. Their bones are not as dense. And I think that's what helped me, helps me, uh, or has helped me growing up playing football. So, you know, from being hit and hitting people and always falling, <laughs> I have very dense muscles uh, from football. So I've crashed, I think about four or five, I think four times I've crashed. And I have had some pretty decent roll rash, which you usually get on my, on my, on your hips and on your shoulders and maybe like elbow area. Um, but the, the injury that like sticks out the most is like my first. Oh, I've had a few. I think four. <laughs> but the one that sticks out the most is I was literally riding on a bicycle path, and I was riding with a guy who I knew I should have stayed off of his wheel. And I just I was caught in a bad place. I overlapped his wheel. What mean? What that means is that my front wheel over or was next to his back wheel. Um, that's called overlapping. So I overlapped his back wheel, and he was a very sketchy rider, and he just caught me at the right time. And I was overlapping his wheel and down I went and my left shoulder hurt so bad to where I literally was taken by ambulance to the local emergency room. Nothing was broken. Um, but I still, even to this day, um, I still have a little protrude. I don't know if it's if it's scar tissue. I, I don't know what if I had like this little protrusion on my left shoulder uh from when I went down. But I mean I've I've crashed three times, um, two times in actual races, one time on an actual training crit. And the funny thing is, i guess it's not funny if you guys want to see those three crashes check out my youtube channel because they're all
0: there <laughs> oh you know i'm gonna have to go check that out now you know that, right
1: <laughs> yes sir. yes sir yes sir yeah they're all there they're all there yeah so
0: i'm sure safety is a concern as well because i was looking at your pictures oh, you wear yeah. a helmet and you know how nowadays they are like oh, i don't need a helmet i'm an adult oh it could be extremely dangerous so on that note on top of the helmet what other let's say equipment do you bring along with you do you guys see sometimes you have like sunglasses that reflect the sun maybe using some gloves or anything at all
1: so there's several different parts and pieces i don't wear gloves and i, I don't I don't maybe that's just a, a cali i don't know I, and when i'm racing i wear gloves when i'm not racing i don't wear gloves so i just feel like i rather feel the hand and then it's hot too so like i don't wear gloves because it's hot and i sweat a lot so now i got to deal with these wet gloves and my hands are that more slippery when I when my palms the gloves of my palms are sweat you know it's just too much wetness so I don't wear gloves when I'm on the bike um unless I'm racing and that's again for you know palm palm protection um for when you when you when you go down because you, your your hand usually has plays out when you're going down prior to your elbow and, and your shoulder hitting so um but uh, something I think that's not as as resp- I'm going so gloves. I'm going to say glasses, but my last one is going to probably be my all time favorite one because I think it's the least reverenced one because there's kind of some funniness with this last one. So the second one is glasses, of course, because you're you're going at high rates of speed. You know, you're going anywhere from 15 to 25 miles an hour on a bike, whether you're going down a hill or whatever. And it sucks catching a bug <laughs> in the eye. Like, c- come on, like that just sucks, right? Um, It stings, it hurts, and then, of course, you're on a bike. You're already on two wheels. Then you got to take one hand off the bar to wipe your eye, try to get it out, and depend on if you're left or right eye dominant. You can't keep your eyes open because you're, you're playing around in your eye. So glasses are good. I'm also a branded ambassador for glasses company. So, you know, it's just glasses are good to have. But I think this this last one for me is a very important one because I think people just don't know why cyclists do it. So if you look at most cyclists, you see, there's this funny thing about socks. And that, and that's the things that go on your feet. Cause I said socks earlier. And <laughs> I was like, I think I thought about my dog. And there's this thing that's like this funny. They say, if you wear socks above your knee, that's like schoolgirl. If you wear socks over your calf. Oh, no, no, no. If it's over your knee, you're like a, a, a entertainer. I'll say it that way. You're an entertainer if you have socks over your knees, which I've seen. If you have people that, if you, if you wear your socks up over your calf, which I've seen they call that schoolgirl. Then if you have your socks, which is just below your calf, they call that pro, P-R-O, pro. Then if you have your socks right above your ankle, I don't remember what they call that. And then if it's below your ankle or no socks, they call that you're trying to be a triathlete because triathletes typically don't wear socks because they do multiple events. They go from swimming to cycling to running. So they don't wear socks because they, they start out in the water. So for them to put socks on, that's just more time in the transition area. So most triathletes don't wear socks, or they wear like anklet socks when they ride their bikes. So anywhere from being a crew sock up to a up to right below your calf, I'm going to say that's acceptable. But for those of us that can can be snobby, because cycling is very clicky and cliche and elitist, it's all these things that people like and don't like about cycling. But the reason why I think socks should be between your above your ankle and stop around below your calf is because you have this thing called on the right side of your bike called a drivetrain, which is a chain there. And you also have the, the the front crank, which has teeth on it. And your foot consistently rotates around that. So if you think about it, we have this thing called your cadence. Well, what is that? That's how many revolutions per minute your foot goes around in that circle. So if you think about a good cadence, that's 80 revolutions per minute. So what am I saying? That means that that chain and those teeth have that many opportunities every single minute to gash your leg. So if you don't wear socks at the right length, the sock could protect your leg from being mauled by your bike. So I think the least respected of all the protective pieces of equipment are a decent length pair of socks, which is above your ankle and right below your calves.
0: It's interesting you say that because a couple was a two weeks ago, I had a friend who went cycling with flip flops and he got his toes like jammed into there, split open. Sorry, that's a little, uh, a little gory right there. But I mean, yeah, you want the right shoes as well when you go cycling. Yeah,
1: (laughs) you do. You do. I mean, and of course, the deeper you get into cycling, yeah, I would have said that too. But I guess for me, it's like parts and pieces that I see most people now I see they're usually wearing full covered shoes. I mean, unless they're just out kind of just cruising. But like, at, I'm gonna say at my level, but I'm not saying it halty or anything. Most people got cycling shoes on, they got gloves on, they've got helmets on, they got well, sometimes helmets on, some most of the time they have glasses on. But I just feel like socks is one thing that because there's such this big, I don't have to wear socks, I can wear socks all the way up to my neck. You know, there's just big <laughs> kind of funny thing with socks. It's very important. Socks are very vital. And then. You know, for other reasons, I know people have used their socks for for for, uh, for drastic measures. I'll leave it at that.
0: And actually, a weird segue from that drastic measure, I would imagine as well bringing, let's say, a first aid kit and some water just in case. So,
1: some people I do know. Some people I actually have ridden with a buddy of mine. And it was very interesting because, you know, our pockets are usually filled up with everything that we have in there. And uh, I was like, bro, what is that hanging out your pocket? He's like, bro, that's a first aid kit. I was like, bro, that's a good idea. So I still don't ride with a first aid kit. That's just a little bit excessive, but I do ride with, you know, I do have water bottles. You know, we either we either have one or two water bottles on our bike, and that always dictated upon how far we're riding and if we plan on making any stops in midst of our ride, and that's what makes cycling awesome as well. The ride doesn't have to be just work the whole time. You know, we do some coffee rides. We do some chill rides to where you stop and get coffee. Sometimes we'll go and we'll actually stop and get a meal where we eat food, break bread together and it's just a really nice pleasant joyous occasion on two wheels. So, um you have t- opportunities to refill up your water bottles. Um but I do keep all my essentials from inner tubes to CO2 cartridges to a mini pump to patch kit. I do, I do keep all that because that's what I as much as I've ridden and even with me crashing, I find that I don't need a first aid kit as often as I need to have patches and pump and tubes and all that other stuff not to say i don't ever need it but when you cycle as much as certain people do or myself you start to kind of identify what's essential and what's not and for me to take a first aid kit every single time i ride that's like i either have to then say okay i'm not going to bring my wallet i'm not going to bring my my tubes and patches or i'm not going to bring my phone and with me being a social media guy the phone is essential my wallet's essential and I think that my tubes and everything else are essential. If I, if I crash, then, uh, yeah. You I, got I'll your helmet. Right.
0: You got your helmet.
1: I got, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, I, and I've actually had, and, that's, and that was one of my, I think that was like my second, my second or third real crash in an actual event was I was here local and I didn't have any of that. But I did go down and I was able to get back up on the bike and ride my bike right back up to the start finish line and then made my, and then wrote, I think my, I think I rolled home. You know, and it's it's road rash for the most part. We've all had road rash from playing on the carpet, and you like it's like a rug burn. So you get a little rug burn, you know, get a little road rash, and you deal with it, and then. That's not the bad part. The bad part is when it starts to heal, and you got to take a bath, and it stings. That's the bad
0: part. That's that's the real bad part. I could just see you. Let's <laughs> say you're like a road rash or like something like that. Just <laughs> the injury, and you're looking at yourself in the mirror when you're trying to put like some rubbing alcohol on it. You're like, you're pumping oh, yourself, and you're like, "Come on, I got this. I got this, Kurt. You got this." <laughs>
1: bro, bro, you're taking this podcast to a straight M-rated because it is. It's, it's all a. Hey, you want to cry? <laughs> I mean, oh my god! Like putting alcohol on road rash and that. So. That actually leads to something actually kind of interesting, which you didn't ask me about, because a lot of cyclists shave, and we particularly shave our legs. And so, of course, you're going to hear a lot of stories about why do you shave your legs? Why you, Some people are going to say it's more aerodynamic. Some people say it make you faster, like with swimmers, make you, it's less drag-resistant. But to be honest, there's two real reasons why people shave their legs. We shave our legs, one, because you you you, you work your legs a lot. So you have a lot of lactic acid that build up in your legs, a lot of people that ride bikes get massages and if you've ever gotten a massage with hair hairy legs and they're pushing and twerking on your leg and really working it that pulling of your hair hurts (laughs) so it's not as enjoyable when you don't have any hair there that's the first reason the second reason is is that when you do crash and you get roll rash there's no hair there to get and caught up in your roll rash when you're having to clean it and then we have to remove your bandages Come on now. When you got those bandages on hair, that's like a whole nother level of pain because now you're not only ripping the, the tape off your leg, you're ripping hair off. So that's why we really shave our legs. I mean, I could give you more reasons why, but those are like the two main reasons why we shave our legs.
0: You know what? I always wanted to wax one specific area of my leg and leave it like that. <laughs> but well, now, now no, you know. <laughs> Yeah, you know what? That makes sense. I tried pole dancing once. It was the same thing. I have hairy legs. It does not work for hairy legs. So yeah, you know what? I have like I'm like the yeti with these legs. Anyways, it's not about my body hair excessiveness. It's all about you. How? What was your biggest challenge when you first, Sorry. What was your biggest challenge when you first started cycling?
1: Uh, biggest challenge? Wow. Good question. Now I'm silent. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's how you know it's a good question. So, you know what? I'm gonna be I'm gonna be honest with you. The biggest challenge, and I think I even, I'm still struggling with it today, is being accepted.
0: And by being accepted, you mean being accepted within the community?
1: Yeah. Like, you, it, it's, um, you, you, I'm going to say this now. It's not going to be relevant when this goes live, but you can do it now. So, you'll see, if you go to my Instagram right now on Critwit, I did a, I like to do questions and answers for people. Like, and So, I asked people, I said, what is the one thing you dislike the most about cycling? And as much as I love it, I, I knew what some of these things were going to be. But I just, I just was curious because I like to interact with people. And so they talk about how clickiness cycling is, how elitism cycling is, how uh, arrogant cycling can be. And with the heart that I have for cycling and with the desire, as you asked me earlier, what I see for cycling, it's hard sometimes because you you would hope that certain people would accept you and support you, but they don't. And that's what's hard. And yes, I've gotten support from a lot of people. Um, that's how me and you have met. And it's been beautiful and it's been awesome. And I'm very appreciative <laughs> of it. But the hardest thing to accept is that the people that you would think that would support you and get behind you and, and, and encourage you and motivate you, silence. And that's what's hard. Of course, climbing sucks. Of course, you know, riding really hard sucks, falling, all that learning how to go faster, learning how to get stronger. All that's hard. But I think for me, I'm past that now because I see bigger. It was, it's always been bigger than me. Like, yes. I know I have to do what I have to do to get noticed so I can do what I want to do and get the platform that I want. And I do believe that that's growing. But even with that being said, it's kind of like it's kind of like having an idol and you're working and your idol is still present, but your idol never recognizes you. It's almost like that. You know, like I don't really really say I have any idols, but it's, it's, it's a, to paint the picture. It's almost like sensei never recognizes you.
0: And it's for the stupidest reasons, too.
1: Yeah. It's like, bro, you see I'm over here grinding. Can I get some love? Can I can I get a shout out? Can I can I get some love?
0: The bike is not discriminating me. Why are you? <laughs> like the <laughs>
1: Oh, preach, brother. I'm about to Hey, where is that offer play that? <laughs> and you and you're absolutely right. And, and so with that that's what I struggle with. Like I told a friend of mine, I said that I have realized that the Lord will put in place who he needs to put in place specifically for you. And so I have to encourage myself. So as much as I want to encourage everybody else, be an influence of everybody else, motivate everybody else, I have my lows, my low moments but they are not. They don't last long. Oh, no. I have to keep it moving. I got to keep it moving, man. So I have those moments where it's frustrating, like, like man, and, and where it's hard, like, it would be nice if I had your help. But I realized that maybe it's not meant for them, for them to help me. Maybe it's meant for somebody else to help me. And maybe it's meant for somebody else to recognize me, whom I would have never expected. And that's the beauty of life. You never know. You never know. Maybe it'll be from this podcast that, I get recognized one day, and like I said, I don't do what I do for fame, but I always say that if, I, if from what I do do, if I become famous from that, then I accept that. Like, like when I did 25 Miles for Justice, I didn't start that to be famous. I didn't do it to be famous. I did it because that's how my heart led me. I don't do what I do to be famous. I do what I do because my heart leads me that way, because I'm passionate about this cycling thing. I, I love it. I want to see it grow. I want to see more minorities in, in it. I, I want it to be inclusive to everybody. I want it to be something that could pay for for somebody's mom's mansion. I, I want it to be that. So it's bigger than me. But right now, I just got to do what I got to keep doing.
0: But you know what's the beautiful thing of what you're doing and what I'm doing is that we're sharing our voices. We're not just letting absolutely. anybody who's like the big, only the top elites can share it. We're just saying anybody can share it. And what I love yes, is that sir. you're saying, you bring it down to earth that saying, hey, this is a hobby made for absolutely anybody at all. Doesn't matter anybody. what age, what size, what skin tone, any, absolutely anybody at all. And it's kind of like the idea absolutely. for my podcast as well. I'm saying, hey, this person does his hobby. Doesn't matter where he's from, what he looks like, or any other reasons like that. He loves doing it. That means anybody can do it. So that's the, that's the reason why I love that you're here. I love your energy. I love the way you present oh, yourself. Man. You're so passionate. But at the same time, you talk about real topics as well that are important to discuss.
1: Yes, sir. And don't be afraid. Of your hobby no. becoming a lifestyle. <laughs> don't be afraid. I fought that. I fought that for like 30 minutes. It's not a lifestyle. It's a hobby. It's like, They're like, Crit. They're like, they're like, do you ride your bike every day? Yes. Are you trying to lose weight for racing? Yes. Are you doing this for racing? Yes. Then it's a lifestyle. Then I have to accept it. So don't be afraid of letting your hobby become a lifestyle. It's <laughs> actually for the better. Because it needs it. It needs people like us.
0: Yeah. Hey, well, let's just keep on talking so the world can hear. And hopefully we encourage somebody (laughs) and they'll, they'll talk and we just share communication and just share the love. Absolutely. Now, to go on, I'm I'm not saying this is like a dark side, but let's say, has cycling ever stressed you out? And if so, what is your best de-stressor? By stressing you (laughs) out, I mean something along the lines of like, maybe your bike wasn't working correctly, the chain was off, or the terrain was like, the path you're trying to go was not, it was under construction or stuff like that, anything like that?
1: I think for me, it was the biggest, because I'm I'm very, I'm competitive, so I know where my son gets it from. (laughs) But my, a dark, a dark moment that I had was actually, my first year racing, which was my first race ever, which was Tour de Marietta 2018. And that's how long I've been racing. I mean, my goodness, Mar- to, uh, which is a March March of 2018 was when I started racing. So it's not too long ago. The first day, which was a Saturday, which was a criterium. And then the second race was the second day on a Sunday, which was the road race. And of course, criteriums are usually smaller than road races. So the road race was a lot longer and it had a couple of hills in it. Long story short, my darkest day ever on the bike was that day. I'm very competitive and that Saturday I didn't do really good. Um I actually was off the back. I sprint the second to the last lap thinking that that was the last lap, so that was a very newbie move. I sprint thinking you know I was done, but I had, there was like one lap to go. I'm like,
0: "Oh, oh my no. god."
1: <laughs> so that it was just it was just a whole lot of errors, but at the same time I didn't have a a good set of leadership setting me up for success. But that that Sunday race started the ride did the ride, and there's this thing in in cycling called DNF, which stands for did not finish. And so I was off the back, and pretty much if you're so far off the back and they say you're not in contention, which means you're not going to catch up, you're pretty much dropped. You're not going to catch the group. So what they do for your safety and the safety of everybody else on the course, they pull you from the course. Alex, I'm very competitive, bro.
0: (laughs) Nothing wrong with that.
1: They pulled me from the course, man. And so I finished the lap and I literally start, I'm, I'm, I'm just transparent like this, man. Like I, I finished the lap, and I was, I already knew that when they pulled me from the lap, the, from the course, I was going straight to the car. I was mad. Like I was done. I knew they were going to pull me. So I was already building up this anger in me. And so I was like, they're going to pull me. And as I'm coming to the rep, the official is whistling me. He's telling me, get off the course. And so I passed him and they already gave us the pre-race instructions. So when we get off the court, we have to go up the street, make a left to get off the course. So I was already, I was already in compliance and I and I just started crying. I just started crying. Tears just started, I was so mad at myself, man. Just like, how can I let this happen? I failed. This is not how it's supposed to be. I'm better than, like, I was beating myself up. Like, I'm better than this. I'm stronger than this. I'm more committed than this. Like, this is not supposed to happen. Like, I'm a competitor. Like, I am, you know, <laughs> who are we, Sparta? <sighs> like, I was like so mad at myself because I felt like I failed. and so. They, the way that they had us go back, come back around, I was very thankful for this because I would have been crying in front of everybody. If I, if they would have had us turn around and go back, I would have been around everybody, all the spectators. But they had us take, we had to take this off course route to get back to the course, if that makes any sense. This detour, we had to take a detour route. How about that? We took a detour route to get back to the course. And the miss of the time that it took me to get back to the course, it was allowed, it allowed me time. To get my composure but i was still upset i was still sad because i got it's my it's my first race man like i didn't know you know it's my second race but it's my first road race and so it 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 really bothered me and that's what set the tone for me and that's kind of why i am like that with my son like i wanted him to race first let him get his first taste of blood and then go forward from there when that happened to me like I was already mad from the first stage race but I was like okay I got I get the race tomorrow I can make it up. You know what I mean? Like I get some redemption tomorrow. You know, I didn't do as good as I wanted to do in this first race but I'm going to do better tomorrow. And when and when tomorrow happened, I was I was broke, man. I was angry. Cuz they see me. Like you every time you come around they can see they see you, you know? They see your facial expressions, they see how you shake your head, how, they see how you're giving up physically. They see how you're still trying to fight mentally, but yet your body is not responding. They can see your, They see all that. and, And so I'll never forget it. But I raced it last year. I did better in the stage race and both. But I did better overall. I'll just say it that way. And then I raced it again this year, which was actually the last race before COVID. I did really good. I got I did really I can't remember. I think I got like 11th overall from doing it two years. And so that's really, really good to get 11th overall for both days compared to two years ago where I was dropped the first race and dropped and DNF the second race. So I've made great leaps and bounds only in two and a half, three years of racing. But that's my darkest moment in riding, man. The dark, man.
0: But the good thing about that is like, you didn't take that necessarily as a failure. You took that as an opportunity to learn and get back on the bike.
1: Absolutely. Like I said, with cycling, you fall. Yeah, get back up again, <laughs> exactly. You get back up again, and and that and that's what it, that's what it is. That's what it's been.
0: Stand by or stay out of his way. Like he's going to get to that finish line. Oh, I'm coming,
1: <laughs> brother. I'm, I'm coming. Like I saw some that says, "Why do you grind?" He said, and then it's funny. This is actually Ray Lewis. He says, "I know you're chasing something, but why are you grinding?" And you know, what my response was, "You just said it. I'm chasing <laughs> something. I'm chasing something. I'm on, I'm on a mission. I'm I'm trying to get something. And because I'm on a mission, because I'm chasing something." I'm grinding. And that's me. Like, you know, these guys have been riding five, six, seven, some dudes racing 20 years, racing 20 years. Alex, I've only been doing this (laughs) for three
0: years. (laughs) But you know what? You know what? You know what you're doing? You're proving that it doesn't matter what age you are. You can just pick it up and then just. uh...
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I started riding a bike at 30. I started racing at I'll be 39 this year. I started racing at 36.
0: And another really important question, kind of answered before, but I always love this question for every single episode because I think it's like one of the most important ones. What are some misconceptions about people who go cycling?
1: Misconceptions. Oh, is that we're all rich, snobby, (laughs) arrogant pricks (laughs) just like that. And we're not in everything. You have those people they are going to look at you funny because you don't have the best boat. They're going to look at you funny because you don't have the best bike. Motorcycle bike, they're going to look at you because you don't drive the fastest or the, the best drafting car, or, or drifting car. You're going to get that in everything, and you're going to get that in cycling. But just re- realize that we're all not that same way. Some of us are very welcoming. Some of us are very enlightening. Some of us, we're human beings, just like you are.
0: Yeah, and just like what you are, too.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, and I, and, I, and what sticks out to me the most is that I went to this one race two years ago called Ladera Ranch. And this race had been going on in this neighborhood for about six years. And this lady will go out there every year for six years. And I met her for the first time two years ago. And she told me all of this. And this is how I know. And she said, nobody has ever explained to me what this is until today. <laughs> talking about me. Like I shared, she was like, what is this? I'm like, this is a criterion race. And I broke it all down. If I said, watch these people and this is what they're doing. And she said, I can see why people are out here now. And she said, I've been seeing this for six years until today, I now know what it is. And I understand why people are out here.
0: And then she gets to meet an awesome person like yourself who actually is oh, interested in right. teaching other people, saying, hey, this is yeah, what the man. basics is. You don't down talk them either way. You're pretty welcoming as well.
1: Because, I, because I've experienced a lot of things, man. Like I've been, I've been in the fraternities. I've been, I've been in, the mili- I'm in the military. I'm a big advocate of, fo- I call it folding in the collar. And What that means is in the military back in the day, I've only been at 18 years, but back in the day, we used to have our rank on our on our collar. And what would happen is a person would reverence you by what rank they saw on your collar. And, but because I, and because I do construction in the military or did construction in the military, now I manage in the military, is that when I was in charge of a project and I would have 20 people that was underneath me, they would look at my rank and they would just do everything that I said, which is fine and that's beautiful. But my point with this is is by folding in the collar, is that sometimes you have to take down so that they can stand up. Meaning, I have to fold in my collar to let them know that, hey, you may have experiences that I don't have. You may have laid block that I've never laid. You may have poured concrete or placed concrete that I've never placed. You may have done certain things in the construction field that I've never done. But since I wear the rank, doesn't mean that I know more than you or that I'm greater than you are in this instance. So let me fold in my collar so that we can come together and be, to be successful together.
0: Yeah, you could always learn from somebody else. Like we're humans, you don't know everything, right?
1: <laughs> no, 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 no. And, and, and people forget that. They think they know everything about everything and they don't know nothing about nothing.
0: <laughs> and actually so, speaking about learning itself, this is gonna be a really tough question, but if you had to say just one specific thing, what has being a cyclist taught you in life? Like one big thing that it taught you?
1: What has cycling taught me in life? It never gets easier.
0: So it's kind of like one of those stories, like when you're a kid, like tell your children, oh, I used to go uphill to school both ways. <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> absolutely. And it's, and it's funny because it's just like running. I'm not sure, you know, I'm not sure how many of you are listening are running, but hopefully you guys can understand this, is that running never gets easier unless you're walking. And the reason being is because you're always getting stronger, which means you're running faster, which means you're taxing your body that much, that much or more now. Because you're getting stronger, so you're running faster, and so you feel at the end of the run, man, that wasn't easy. Why is it always hard? Because you're getting stronger, you're running faster, you're running further, until you stop and you walk, then you realize, okay, this is easy, and it's the same way <laughs> on a bike. It never gets easier. You just get stronger, faster, and go harder. And it's, it's like, and when and when you get used to that, guess what? You push the envelope again. And when you get used to that, you push the envelope again, and that's the thing. You just keep pushing the envelope so it never gets easier.
0: Yeah, but that's the challenge. That's life. That's like a little metaphor for life. You just got to keep pushing.
1: I just keep it moving. <laughs> right.
0: And on that note, it's a great segue as well. Do you have any word of advice for anyone who might be interested in this hobby? Do
1: it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I would say this. Um, like I told a lady on Facebook the other day, it, whether you're, it doesn't matter the color of your skin, but I will say it does matter yeah. of, the, of your gender. And I say that because people need to see people, their people, do something before they do something. And I say gender because I've learned that in cycling, um, it can be very, very male dominated. Now, yeah, we can get into the race war, but I don't want to focus on that. I want to focus on male and female, and their cycling is very male dominated. And because I would love to have more women and 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 kids cycling, and so I said, find find a group, you know just ride your bike around your local area, get a bike, you know, go to bikesdirect.com, go to your local bike shop, go to Walmart, if, you know, go to the Goodwill. It doesn't matter. Just get on a bicycle and just start experiencing the life of a cyclist. And then from there, when you st- when you you when you fall in love with it, then you'll maybe look at getting an upgrade. And when you get to that point where you feel like your bike is really suitable for the fitness that you're trying to put into it, find you a bicycle group that has If you're a woman that has women, if you're a man, you're going to more likely find that. But find that group that's going to take you under their wing, that's not going to judge you because your socks are too low or your socks are too high, uh, that you're not wearing your glasses correctly, that you're wearing your bibs inside out, but they're going to take you under under their wing and they're going to show you the ropes, teach you the ropes and really just help you fall in love with it as all of us have. And that's what my word of advice would be. If you're looking for a hobby, please try cycling.
0: And also, it's a great way to get from point A to point B. (laughs) Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. That's the reason why you can go to that point B and get that pizza or that cake. Just ride a bike there. And it's like, hey.
0: And then you do the workout and burn it off. Boom. There. Exactly.
1: (laughs) 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 Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. It's perfect.
0: And now we talked about this at the beginning of the episode, but I have to ask it again at the end so people can come show you some love. Do you have any social media links, websites, or projects you're working on that you would love people to come check out and show you some support?
1: Absolutely. The first one I'm going to start off with is 25 Miles for Justice because that's, my, that's, that's the, the new baby of them all. 25 Miles for Justice. Check me out on uh, Instagram. Again, it's 25 miles, the number 25 miles for justice uh, on Instagram. You can also find me on YouTube at Vlog, C-R-I-T-W-H-I-T, cycling, V-L-O-G. Um, you can also find me on uh, Instagram at crit.wit. If you find me in any of those locations, I guarantee you they will lead you to all the other locations and you will not be disappointed.
0: There you go. You know what? I'll put all that down below so people can go check that out. And no, not they can. They have to go check that out and show you some <laughs> love.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much.
0: And now for the last question, it's probably the silliest question I always ask. Do you have any questions for me about cycling? So flipping the tables.
1: Are you a cyclist?
0: Uh, define cyclist.
1: <laughs> do you do you ride a do you ride a bike?
0: Yes, yes, I do, I do. <laughs> and do you commute? I do not commute. I actually live close enough to walk. I enjoy walking, but I also like I like mountain biking as well. I like seeing nature and going really, yeah, because like, I I live in Ottawa. But actually, speaking of which, like Ottawa has a lot more like roads where they're actually. Dedicating parts of the road to cyclists and making the green path and stuff like that, so it's becoming more and more open for cyclists, and it it does encourage me to do it more, and once my son comes along, I'm gonna do it so much with my son. you going to love it. You gotta love it. Like on that note, because I'm saying Ottawa has those roadside bikes thing. does uh, your city have a lot of those, or is it still kind of like just of like imagination where like, oh, we just think that like that little part, or there's actually dedicated like signs and like divisions?
1: If you have a baby, like in the back, like not, it's not a sidecar. It'd be more likely a, a, a like a little uh, trailer on the back. And the beautiful thing about here in California is that we do have a lot of bike paths. But even, but with that, because there is a baby, there would be a baby or a toddler in the back. I wouldn't recommend nests per se. I would say one doing in your neighborhood where you kind of know that area really, really well. Or two, like if you was here in California, like I would tell tell you to go on um a place that has a designated bicycle path. Um and the reason because I, I mean you're gonna pretty much be around walkers, run joggers, runners, and other cyclists and get keeps you away from the cars. Um here in here in California we have what's called the Silver Strand, which is like a perfect place to really take, you know, stuff like that on. And that's why like us cyclists, we typically jump on the shoulder of the road because those paths are, you know, full of tourists, full of people walking, et cetera, et cetera. So Um, that's like the perfect place to do it. So yeah, if you, if you put your son in the back of the bike or whatever on the little troll, a trailer, um, that, those are the places that I was like, like a designated bicycle path or just stay, I would say like, go to a like a park or, um, your neighbor, your local neighborhood.
0: Well, apparently in Ottawa, we, apparently we have hundreds and hundreds of kilometers of bike paths,
1: nice. So you're hey, you,
0: you gonna be all right then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like you can get anywhere on a bike in Ottawa, which, and even in the winter, even in the winter,
1: <laughs> dude. That see. I love it. All right. I'm about to get out
0: there. Man, if you be- are, if you ever do come out here, give me a shout. We'll go for a bike ride. You'll probably be way ahead of me, but not, you know, you we'll have a walkie-talkie oh, or something, and just to catch I won't up. <laughs> I,
1: won't, I won't leave you. Trust me.
0: I, won't I could you. just imagine, like, if you're way ahead, you have like breadcrumbs leaving a trail behind, saying, "I don't have to follow that." It's <laughs> so, okay, he went this way.
1: <laughs> oh my god! I would, yeah, I, I probably would. You leave some, leave some Nature's Bakery stacks on the ground for you. <laughs>
0: So, there you have it. Another body with a hobby. Thank you so much, Craig, for coming on and just bringing in so much good energy, good conversation, and just being a down-to-earth person alex
1: thanks for having me and everybody hope you guys enjoyed it and uh look forward to possibly talking to you again
0: if you guys want to learn more about crit you should go check him out i'll put all the links down below in the description so you gotta go show him some love because he's a wonderful person decent i was gonna say decent human being awesome human being i'm a decent human being <laughs> like he's an awesome human being and uh yeah so if you like to be on my podcast or have any questions at all you can send me an email at time at gmail.com. And of course, if you like the podcast, you know, you can leave a review, good or bad. I'll take it. I I got tough skin, kind of, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I'll take it. And if you want to show some more support, I sell merchandise on Redbubble with the Time for Your Hobby Hobby logo on things you do not need, but it's there. But I also have a Patreon if you're interested in showing some more love for that. But once again, these are all optional. It's not going to stop me if you don't support me. I'm still going to release podcast episodes. What are you going to do? Stop me? No, you can't. Uh Uh I'm just going to run away and record somewhere else. (laughs) But uh, you know what you do have to do? You got to go show crit some love. You have absolutely have to do that. So once again, thank you so much crit. Thank you, man. So until the next episode, make some time for your hobby. Take care.